0: Welcome to The Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Irvin, and today we are taking a trip. Not a metaphorical one, and definitely not a trip down memory lane. No, we're talking about a golf trip. A dream golf trip. And how it went incredibly wrong. But before we get there, maybe we should start at the very beginning. You see, I'd planned a week-long trip to Scotland, my first. And with rounds at Muirfield, North Barwick, Carnoustie, Kingsbarns, the old course, and the new course all booked it was planned to be an all-timer. But in case you haven't been aware, there's this little pandemic called COVID-19 that's been going on, and it's played havoc with the lives of millions of people around the world. And with my April travel dates approaching, the trip of a lifetime was done before it ever even got started. When does one pull the plug on something that's been planned for months? What exactly is the point of no return, you might ask? Well, in my case, it was easy. The hotels canceled the rooms, and they would not be able to welcome me. Simple. It was over. Okay, then. Maybe next year. But what about now? I wanted a spring golf trip, and as I approached the big 5-0, the time was short, and something had to be booked. Now, Since I had been planning a Seaside Links experience, why not Bandon Dunes? I'd been there before, it's been years ago, and I knew it was a reasonable drive from Southern California. The next thing I knew, I was booked, and... Scotland in the spring was now going to be the Oregon coast, and since I was driving, why not include a stop at Poppy Hills in Pebble Beach, one of my favorite spots. I had made the same day journey many times before. You hit the road at 5 or 6, you get to Monterey by 10, no problem at all, you can tee off, around noon, easy. I even had time to check out the all new Peter Hay 9 at Pebble Beach that Tiger Woods redesigned. It was gorgeous and it was busy. Now about that logo, I dare say that the Peter Hay course logo with the sea lion holding the pin flag may become one of golf's great course icons, something we'll all recognize in the years to come. I decided to record as much of this adventure as possible for future episodes of the golf spotlight. After all, why not record some shots and the views of the courses on this journey? I even recorded an open for the Poppy Hills feature, finishing with, hey, let's head to the first tee. I was happy, and I was excited. I think I remember those feelings. I think. (laughs) Oh, no. I had to think about it because they didn't carry over. You see, when Poppy Hills reopened after renovation in 2014, they did so with the first tee by the clubhouse between the 9th and 18th greens. Then, a few years ago, they flipped the nines. The new first hole was now a friendly, wide-open tee shot and an opening par 5. A perfect way to ease into a round, especially after driving from Southern California. However, in recent weeks, the course reverted back to the original nines, meaning you're faced with a semi-blind par-4 that slopes severely from left to right, and on the right, well, you've got a lateral hazard. And then at the green, it's surrounded on the back and the right by that same hazard area. In fact, the first six holes in this routing is the toughest stretch on the entire golf course. Now is set to start my great golf journey, Nothing but me and the game. I was excited. And then I was slapped upside the head, punched in the face, kicked in the crotch by a challenging course and a shocking lack of game. How bad was it? I may have had a single par on the entire day and I threatened triple digits. I play on a single number and I couldn't manage a complete hole. It was demoralizing. I stopped recording my swings pretty quick, there was enough there to break a camera that had too much exposure to that kind of bad golf, and decided to take in the views and appreciate the nature around me, and the great playing partners I had. I had a couple of first timers with me, and since I could not play worth a darn, I could at least help them get around this challenging layout that I know all too well. Fortunately, that part worked out, and they had a great time. The Northern California Golf Association owns Poppy Hills, and it's a fantastic option for those visiting the Monterey Peninsula, and it's a real treasure for NCGA members. With the round complete and the score tallied, yeah, it it took a lot of effort adding that one up, Uh, the day was not done though. Bandon awaited, and there were miles and hours to go. So I got back on the road, drove through San Francisco in a Saturday night rainstorm, and into Sonoma County along Highway 101, which would take me the rest of the way to Bandon. After a night's rest, I hit the road through the beautiful redwoods and out to the coast. Eureka, the legendary Trees of Mystery, Crescent City, and into the state of Oregon. Sure, there was fog and wind and rain, but this is what the trip was supposed to be. Springtime along the Oregon coast isn't beach weather, and there was a reason I packed two rain suits. By mid-afternoon, I had arrived at the West Coast American Golf Mecca. A simple tall sign sits in a grassy meadow along Highway 101 with a Puffin logo and the words, Bandon Dunes Golf Lodging Restaurant. After a long time in the car, the drive into Bandon Dunes is a special one. This time it was even more so. It's a narrow two-lane road with gorse everywhere, both sides of you. But now it was in bloom, a gorgeous bright yellow to complement the green everywhere you look. And the drive? eventually reveals glimpses of golf holes to the right. And then boom. There are players teeing off across the road. It's a reminder. You're here. You've made it to Bandon Dunes. The plan on this day was simple. Just slowly ease into the trip by stopping by the shops, looking around, stretching my legs. It also featured a warm-up round if you will. 9 holes on shorties, which is located in the practice center. You see, Bandon Dunes has a range that hits towards the north, and they've got another one that faces the south. It's that southern range that features green targets that can be played as a nine-hole par-three course. It's a perfect way to return the body to golfing form, and after the disaster of Poppy Hills, I needed to get that right. I guess I did. The clouds turned to mist and then to drizzle, and the wind picked up. And then the skies opened wide. My little exercise had become golf in the rain and that's something I love. Even though I was wearing cotton Audi cross joggers, I was loving it. It was all coming back, and a two over score after eight hours in the car was a tidy little number for me. The next day at Pacific Dunes, I was not gonna worry about filming or video telling. No stand-ups, those plans, they were gone. Instead, I was just gonna play golf. Things would be much different than Poppy, and I would play much, much better. No, no they weren't, and no. I didn't. You start Pacific Dunes with a short par 4, just an iron or hybrid off the tee. And I couldn't get that right. I was better, sure, but I just wasn't right. My game wasn't there. Part of my journey on this trip was to take on Bandon on my own. I'd used a caddy in the past and loved the experience, but wanted to see how I could fare using my knowledge and creativity. But when you're playing like crap, you also find yourself feeling alone. I managed some pars and birdies amid strong winds and an occasional rain, and I finished the round one over for the final four holes. Not a great round, but it was an improvement. Still, I left the course deflated. Why come all this way to play like that? I retired to the Pacific Grill atop the clubhouse and was greeted by a view as amazing as anything you'd find in a golf course. And a patio served seafood chowder and bacon grilled cheese sandwich reminded me, what better place can there be? The sun was out, the breeze kept it cool, and there was a peacefulness all around. People were enjoying themselves. They were enjoying being there. Maybe there is more to this trip than just golf. Maybe. Later that evening, I returned to the same spot for my first actual visit to the Punch Bowl. It's a rollicking mammoth putting green laid out as a putting course. I knew that going in. What I did not expect was the groups gathered with their music on personal speakers and drinks in hand. These guys played the courses in foursomes during the day, but here eight twelve twelvesomes and more were gathered, laughing, chiding, gambling and putting their way through the sunset. This was a bar scene, just guys having fun, enjoying the company and the reason for the trip. The punch bowl delivered the reminder that Bandon Dunes provided a location for people to get together and be reminded of how trivial the actual time on the course was. Enjoy the views, enjoy the company, and enjoy being away from the rest of the world, even if only for a couple days. There were buddy trips, there was couples getaways, business gatherings, bachelor parties, and more. But on this putting surface that was so twisty and bumpy and huge, everyone was just having a good time. The next day on Bandon Dunes, I was paired with two burly gentlemen who made me look small. They played with a marvelously casual attitude, fully embracing the beauty that surrounded them. One in the Coast Guard, the other in law enforcement, they could appreciate what a day on the course really meant. It wasn't life or death, it's just a good time, and a better one if you played well. I did, and it was fun. But as the morning wore on, the winds picked up, and by the time I got to the 14th hole, my smooth swing had given way to one that wanted to challenge the wind, and we all know how that goes. Looking back at the scores, I see a great round fizzle into a dark, bad memory. The 16th was a prime example. It's an intimidating tee shot that is surprisingly manageable with a hybrid. And I hit a good one. I was proud of myself. I not only hit it well, but I was aggressive. I was smooth. And I walked up to admire my accomplishment to find the ball wasn't there where was it oh it was in the pot bunker great i blasted out blindly towards the pin another good shot this was going to be okay after all as i emerged where was the ball certainly i'd hit it right towards the pin but i was informed that its line had been great but it kicked left into another pot bunker another swing gave way to two putts and here it was i'd hit some exceptional balls, but luck wasn't on my side, and I sulked through the final two holes. Another sad round into the record books. I'd made an afternoon time on the 13-hole Bain and Preserve course, but I'd made a mistake. See, I thought this would be some sort of combination of shorties in the punch bowl, as I'd heard you could play the preserve with a putter. No, this was a Bandon Crenshaw Bill Cor course, and it meant you needed to buckle down and play golf. I did somewhat. I made some birdies, and I missed a putter-struck ace on the final hole by a foot. This I like. This is what I'm talking about. Right here, right there it is. There it is. Miss, him, miss him. Go in the hole. Go in the hole. Uh. <laughs> Golf can be fun, but I still played like I didn't play great. The next day was Bandon Trails. As I ventured into the forest, the sun was shining, there was minimal wind in the air, and it was a fantastic day to hike from the dunes to the meadows and back. Whereas I finished Pacific Dunes strongly, this was now the second straight round where I'd played reasonably well in the front and then struggled in the winds down the stretch. I was ruining this amazing trip, and there was nothing I could do about it. It's a funny thing. When you encounter great guest service, how you translate it can vary on your own attitude. Someone who just wants to perk you up can do the trick if you're open to it. They just want to move your mind towards more positive things. However, if your mind is shut down to being positive, such niceties come off as dismissing what you, in the moment, are obsessing over. It's not a good mental space to occupy, and I've been there in the past, especially after bad golf. But at abandoned dunes, the, the people, well, they helped bring me back. I left the course having sunk the ship, but they rallied me up, getting me to look ahead to the next opportunity. The sun will come up tomorrow. And you know what? It did. A beautiful morning awaited at the all-new Sheep Ranch, a glorious expanse of golf below the modest but functional clubhouse. It was mild outside, just a hint of wind and a course free of sand bunkers awaited. I decided the night before that I would go for 36 holes this day, 18 at Sheep Ranch and then another 18 back at Bandon Dunes where I would attempt to exercise my demons. I started the right way this time, birdie par par, and the glorious morning yielded some decent golf. Not great, but a lot better than it had been earlier in the week. And to finish par par birdie, mirroring the first 3 holes, then I guess things were a-okay. Now, the Sheep Ranch is a true experience. From the clubhouse, looking down on the Pacific, Edie is wide open, and it plays that way, making it fun for all true players. It's unusual as it opens up as a par 34 on the front and closes in a par 38, but no complaints here. It was fun. A hearty pastrami sandwich and a marvelous clam chowder on the patio afterward set me up for an afternoon journey back on Bandon Dunes. I was paired with a father and his two sons from the Bay Area, and while I did my best to not intrude on the opening outing of their golf trip, it was fun to see this family dynamic in play on the course. The weather was ideal. Everyone was saying that these conditions would be great on a summer day, let alone one in the mid-spring. The wind was down, the sun was up, and we were set for twilight golf. I played better until I didn't, and the mental demons that lurk in golf came back to bite me in the same places. While the holes played differently, the score remained the same, and I ended up in the exact same potpunkers on 16. Unbelievable. But a par finish in the waning light on number 18 served its purpose. I had played 36 abandoned dunes on my feet, in charge of my own bag, and I had survived. Not bad for a guy who's not in the best shape, and it was a reminder that I could accomplish what I set my mind to. An amazing ribeye with the resort's ridiculous Bandonshire sauce capped a long day that I will not soon forget. The final morning took me to Old MacDonald with its wide-open fairways and mammoth greens. I'd heard mixed reviews. For some, this course was their favorite. For others, it's the weakest offering at the resort. The icon of the course is the old Port Orford cedar that stands like a sentinel over the entire layout. No matter where you go, you see it. It's there. And it even guides you through the third hole. It was an amazing walk, and a fantastic round played once again in ideal conditions. I played well in the front and a little worse on the back, but I finished with a pair of pars and walked off the course at Old Mac a happy man. It was a truly fun fun ride. I capped off the journey with lunch back at the gallery inside the Bandon Dunes Lodge. A cheeseburger? Sure. Why not add some pork belly to it? Of course, this is Bandon Dunes. When it was all said and done I'd played nine rounds of one form or another in seven days. And maybe one or two of those would help in my handicap. Simply put, I played like deep-fried horse droppings all week long. I was embarrassed about it. I still am. But the places, the people, the settings, the designs, the journey, they were all amazing. The golf trip was a total and complete disaster built out of another disaster. And I had one hell of a time. So what's it all mean? Well, Pin and Dunes is a very 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 special place and you can go there and you can play like absolute garbage i did and i came away with amazing memories it's something you need to experience to truly appreciate and i hope you get the opportunity and you have questions about it of course you can reach out to us as i said i had planned on capturing this all in a series of videos showcasing my trip but also these amazing courses, and I realized that I needed to focus on my golf to have fun at all. So that's what I did. But I also captured some great images and cool footage from every course I played. If there's interest, I'll put something together for the Golf Spotlight. Just send me a DM on Instagram or email me at ralfervin at thegolfspotlight.com. If there's enough interest, I'll get it out there. Of course, there is plenty of new equipment out in the world of golf this spring, and we have broken down a lot of it at The Golf Spotlight. I encourage you to join me there. Go to golfspotlight.com and click on the YouTube subscribe link so you never miss an episode. In fact, turn on the notifications so you know when the next feature goes live. Follow the show on Twitter at Golf Spotlight. Get the latest from us on Instagram at Spotlight. Drop us a line anywhere. We always respond. You've listened this far, so subscribe to The Range on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or iHeart. We have new shows dropping every Wednesday. That'll do it for this episode of The Range, so let's hit the course or maybe think about that next great golf trip. It could be across the country or just across the street. The journey is always going to be what you make of it. And we'll talk to you next time, right here on The Range.